welcome to Tales, Tunes, and Tomfoolery, starring Jerry Springer, along with Gene Galvin and me. I'm Megan Hills. We're recorded live. Okay, actually, we're not recorded live. We're in like four different locations. It's brought together by this genius technological advancement. Jerry doesn't understand it, but we'll get him through it. Here he is, Jerry Springer, ladies and gentlemen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. But actually, this week we are in uh, Cincinnati. We are. Yeah, one of the very few times that, because normally, as listeners kind of know, over the last three years since COVID, we've been zooming from our respective places around the country. But now we uh, we all three got together here in Cincinnati. Together which is cool. again. Yeah. And thanks to Ambient Studios and for always always handling us anyway, but now and doing it here at the theater. handling is the correct word. Yeah. Wrangling. Yeah. Closer, <laughs> closer to the mic. Closer to the mic. Quick turning away. Right, right. Well, uh, stick around because we had a guy on last week named Lucas Wayne from oh, Carmi, Illinois, a country singer, did an amazing song uh, called No One Turns Me On, referencing a lamp that was on a table of his uh, grandfather, who was going into a nursing home. Just a very creative song. So we're looking forward, uh, and we asked him to come back. He agreed, uh, and he he's going to do something else. Uh, so stick around for that. Megan will be conversating, as we say, with him uh, shortly. Uh, Jerry, I wanted to ask you a question. Yep. Uh, and a lot of us liberals, I'm a liberal, I think probably yeah. we're all liberals here, yeah. and a lot of our listeners are liberal, and we wonder at times, well, there's got to be a way to stop Donald Trump constitutionally. He stepped in so much stuff along the yeah. way in his time he's been uh, present in public service to stop him from mm. ever running again. Is that possible? It is yes, it is possible. Because um, you're a former, well, you are yeah. an attorney, once yeah. an attorney, always an attorney, but uh, you have legal background. So yeah, it is. It in. is possible. It, it it was a story that garnered very little attention. Nevertheless, it it got me to thinking. Back in September, a judge in New Mexico invoked Section Three of our Constitution's Fourteenth Amendment in order to remove a county commissioner from office a county commissioner who had been convicted of entering the Capitol grounds as part of the January 6th insurrection. Now, Section 3 of the 14th Amendment specifically bars from public office anyone, and I'm quoting here, anyone who having previously taken an oath to support the Constitution, which the county commissioner obviously did, engaged in insurrection or rebellion or gave aid or comfort to America's enemies, end quote. Wow, if this doesn't fit Trump like a glove, then what does? Yes, his lifetime ban could have been dealt with in his impeachment, but as we know, Republicans simply wouldn't go along. But it's not too late to revisit his threat now. And yet, the question is fairly asked, why bother to do this? After all, as I've said since Trump first came down the escalator in the spring of 2015, the American people will never vote for him. And the fact is, they haven't. Not in 2016, when Hillary got 3 million more votes, and not in 2020, when Biden got 8 million more. And if he couldn't win then, with all the power of the presidency behind him, how can he possibly win in 2024, when he'll have no such power 
just indictments, two impeachments, a drubbing in this year's midterms, and is now, even in the opinion of Republican leaders and voters, he's officially a loser. So why bother reaching for this extreme measure of invoking Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, the provision that prohibits his serving as president ever again? Well, for Democrats, of course, they wouldn't want this ban. They want him to run because that is clearly the easiest path for a Democrat victory in 2024. But as for those with nonpartisan concerns, those who are thinking solely of what's best for the country, there are two arguments to be made for not resorting to the 14th Amendment to stop him. First, in a democracy, we favor having the voters decide if they want a particular person to be president. Now, as bad as Trump is, If that's who America wants, who's to say they can't have him? That's the price of democracy, the freedom to occasionally make bad judgments. But to counter that point, I would argue that we've already established in our Constitution a number of institutional roadblocks to respecting the voice of voters. The most obvious one, of course, being the Electoral College, which, as we sadly remember, put George Bush in office, though Al Gore got more votes, and as I said, put Trump in office, though Hillary Clinton beat him by three million. So we obviously don't always follow the principle of let the voters decide. The other pause we might give to legally making Trump ineligible for another term is that like with his two impeachment trials, the votes may not be there for this, And our current right-wing Supreme Court, where I imagine this would all eventually end up anyway, the court might well strike down the effort. So why put the country through this certainly divisive fight all over again? Shouldn't we just move on? I admit those are tempting arguments for rejecting this dramatic and hardly ever used remedy. And yet, I'm concluding, though I'm sure I'm pretty much alone here, I'm concluding that to protect our country in the future, this is as clear an example of the applicability of Section 3 of the 14th Amendment as we can ever get. And the precedents must be firmly established that any person who either inspires an insurrection of our government or gives aid and comfort to our enemies in that effort shall be permanently prohibited from ever serving in any federal office again. The entire work of the January 6th committee, which the entire nation was presented during the uh, televised hearings, makes abundantly clear that Trump's behavior was exactly the kind that this constitutional amendment was set up to prevent. We had a close call this time. He relentlessly tried, through threats and cajoling, to overturn the 2020 election. Failing that, he incited a violent insurrection, causing multiple deaths, along with significant destruction to our nation's Capitol building, threatening the lives of our vice president and speaker of the House in the process, all in an historic American first, the first ever effort to prevent the peaceful transfer of power the touchstone of a democracy. But for the courage of a handful of people, he would have succeeded. Our fragile democracy would have toppled. 
How can we risk letting this happen again sometime in the future? Next time, we may not be so lucky. Considering all of this, I can't help but conclude that America's security demands that we institutionalize our guardrails, invoke Section 3 of the 14th Amendment, thereby prohibiting him or anybody like him from ever running or serving in federal office again. That's the wall we should be building. Wow, yeah. Nice, Jerry. Thanks. What do you think the prospect of that happening is? Very little. Very little. Uh, I, uh, yeah, I think if you work on the assumption that politicians, except in the most extreme cases, work on self-interest first, yeah. they're each going to be looking at their own next election yes. in 2024, and they don't want to be on the side of the argument Let's move ahead. And as I said, you're starting out, and I'm a Democrat, and you're starting out with virtually all the Democrats want Trump to run. I've never found a Democrat who didn't want him to run in terms of pure partisanship. He's the surest way we're going to get another four years of a Democratic president. Isn't that an odd twist? Yeah, I know. It's an odd twist. I know. I'm among them. Yeah. I say, oh, oh, run. Yeah, there's no way America's voting for him. So uh, you'll get the crazies and you'll get some Republican votes and all that. But it didn't work this time when he was president. Now he's... Good point. Everyone's running away from him. So please, let's have him run. Have at it. But, and so without any Democratic votes... Uh, and there'll be some Republicans that just want to stick with him anyway. Uh, no, I don't see that passing. But I just wanted to make the point no, why it's, it's important that we have some institutional guardrail put up. Because 20 years from now, there could be someone else. Yeah, you know, right. Trump's not going to, it's not the last bad human being to be on earth. I've referred to this. Uh, that your thoughts are the heart of this podcast and it's the truth. And one of the things that Megan and I and plenty of listeners look forward to is your uh, unique and insightful take that is steeped in historical context because Mm -hmm. you, I've told you, Jerry, you could be a professor of history and it's not what you studied I mean, you're a political science major, if I recall what you've told me, and then you got a law degree. But y- your passion is history, isn't it? I mean, yeah. you're constantly reading uh, books, bi- biographical books, but it's largely historical and not novels, although I'm sure you've read plenty of those too. Uh, it, and it's made me, over the years, feel very small. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> kind of worse. Mentally, let's, physically, let's, just goes right to my insecurity. Yeah. I'm small Gee, and stacked, Let's be honest, and I, and I feel like I'm a, I'm nothing. You well, know? I mean, I'm existentialist. You yeah. know, I like I'm nothing. Just and there's the nothing coming. I'm not saying coming. I'm not saying you shouldn't feel small, but let's not put it on my commentary. <laughs> well, okay, that's good, that's good. That, that. but I I am in the heart of darkness. So I was thinking the other night. And I was discussing this with my therapist, and, the, and my therapist <laughs> oh, says, you need, <laughs> you need to find the occasions 
where Jean Galvin has done something significant. And I work with her for yeah. about four sessions. Yeah. We had a very short yeah. list, Megan. <laughs> very short list. Uh, so here was the best I could come up with. Let's hear it, Jean. It's the best I could come up with. I remember Jerry, when he was mayor, gave keys to the city to a lot of people that he wanted to meet. It became a strategy. I mean, you would think yeah. he would be solving the bus strike problem nah. or something. Maybe over there like, oh, who do I want to meet? You know, Emmy Lou Harris. Oh, or yeah. So yeah. Uh, he gave a key to a city to somebody, and I'm thinking, and I, I'm going to hold off for a second saying who it was because he gave it to a number of people. I'm thinking, man, that rings a bell. And then I remembered I was in Vista, Oh, yeah. 1966. Yeah. Well, that's something you can put on your plug <laughs> yeah, side. Yeah, that's what's that the list. Get yeah. Sorry, that's the whole yeah, list. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is that, is that like an investment or something? Yeah, yeah I mean, that's on the plus can I, side. Can I live off of that? Yeah. So anyway, I was in Vista, and I uh, wanted, and they allowed me to serve on a Native American mm -hmm. reservation. And while on the reservation, I was doing some youth work. Uh, and I, I did a number of things, but the, they drop you in there, and they say, figure it out. I loved it. It was phenomenal. Uh, and I, one of the things I did is I kind of organized the young people who were getting into a lot of trouble and there was a lot of drug, sex, rock and roll. And so anyway, I got close to these kids. Hal was probably only five years older than them. And one night, some kids said, Gene, jump in the car, we're going on a road trip. And I said, okay. So we got in the car and we took off and we got, <laughs> you're shaking your head like you shouldn't do yeah, that. Yeah, Gene, never mind. Bad judgment. It, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so we go down this 10-mile dirt road from the reservation that hit a two-lane road that went north-south in the state. And so we get to the paved road and we're going south. And about an hour later, I said, and we're just got the radio playing and it's all fine. We're just yeah. joking around, talking. And... Uh, I said, where the hell are we going? And they said, oh, we're about there. And they pull up in front of this house in a neighborhood, working class neighborhood in this town. And they pointed up the steps that led up and there was a porch light on. And they said, guess who lives there? I said, who? And they said, Bobby Zimmerman. Right. I said, are you serious? Because that's Bob Dylan. Yeah. Oh no! He went by the name Bob Bob Zimmerman. Yeah, that was his name, Bob Zimmerman. He went by the name Bob Dylan. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he changed it to Dylan, and he it first spelled it one way, D I L L O N, and then he realized that Dylan Thomas, who was a poet that impressed yeah. him, and he switched it over to that spelling, D Y L A N. And sure enough, we were in front of Bob Dylan's house, and. There's not a phenomenal ending where I go up and knock on the door say, and he where shows is this up. Going? No, because oh, I know he where it's going now. Yeah. because he was in at that time. This was '66. He had broken onto the scene. His big year was '63. Yeah. Freewheeling came out, yeah. and Jerry later gave the the key to the city to Bob Dylan. But it was. Uh, you know, and I just, and with my therapist, she said, well, that's even <laughs> yeah. sad. You had, that's you didn't meet sad. him. You didn't meet him. You, you just know? kind of you stalked just him a little house. bit. And, and, and it, it, the session ended with my therapist saying, you, re you really are kind of a loser. You know, I mean, you think they'd be your champion all the way to the How end. How long was the drive there? How long was the drive? Because you went on a dirt road. From the reservation to there was probably an hour and 20 minutes. So an hour and, and 20 minutes mm -hmm. yeah. to have someone point 
I was That's at. his house. Do you want to know? How long did you stay there staring at his window? Uh, not long, but you want to know creepy? something? I'm not. Here's the creepy? serious. And then they kicked Gene out of the no. car and he had to walk home. Here's the serious side to this. And it is something that I actually valued. For us, including them, these were Native American kids from the Ojibwe oh, yeah. tribe. Yeah. They were 17. I was 22. They knew, and they knew I would feel that was a Mecca. Oh, wow. That yeah. that was that cool. historically, yeah. from yeah. a cultural point of view, yeah. mm -hmm. for the music that was blossoming, yeah. that that would be significant. I appreciated that they did that, that they yeah. said, hey, let's take Galvin down to show him He'll Bob Dylan's house. Yeah. We've yeah. already been there. I asked them, have you ever met him? And they said, no, because Hibbing High School and they went to Orr High School, O-R-R, -R, was they might have played sports against each other, but they were far enough one from the yeah. other. But it, it, it was a significant place. And yeah. I told a friend of mine uh, this the other day, and he, the guy lives up in uh, Toledo, and he shot me back, an old college friend, and he shot me back a picture of Dylan's house that he found online that was that house. And those of us from that era, we remember that that's kind of where it all started. It's like, it would be like, now this is quite a stretch, but I'm Martin Luther King. It, it's, yeah. They're not the same. They actually were, are well, probably have the same way. Yeah. In different ways are probably equally yeah. important. Dylan was very, very important. Yep. And there's always, where'd he come from? Yep. And he came from this house that they showed me. And it yeah. was, uh, his dad had a, store a furniture store or something so it was just a i don't know kind of a working class house speaking of that i want to ask you something jerry and you did get tell tell real fast about giving the key to bob dylan it was pretty cool well yeah i've told it when i when i was mayor you know i was what 32 33 and i was a fan of you know the current music of the day you know when you get our age it's not you're not so much into the Current yeah. music. So yeah. Annette Funicello is not on the top 40 <laughs> these days, huh, Jer? Do we know that now? Well, well she's on my top 40. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so uh, so I wanted to meet all these great, you know, and now I'm yeah. mayor, and I thought, you know, and one of my campaign promises had been bringing rock and roll to Cincinnati because rock and roll, Cincinnati at that time was really conservative. Mm -hmm. well, we're not going to bring rock and roll here because you know those kids, they're on drugs and they're going to be... Yeah. So it was, and we had a fight to have a concert at Riverfront Stadium. So anyway, so I figured I would start inviting all these musical heroes of mine to come to Cincinnati to put on a concert here mm -hmm. because young people, we were going to get our music. And, and the incentive was I would, you know, call their agents and say, you know, we'd like to give, you know, Dolly Parton the key to the city. We'd like to give. Um, Did you meet Dolly? Yeah. Oh, uh, oh man. We, we went through the whole list. It really was a who uh, yeah. yeah. We'll have to Dylan, talk about that on Linda another Ronstadt. show. I want to hear yeah. about Dolly Parton. Oh yeah. She was wonderful. <laughs> Tammy Wynette. I mean, that was the country singers. Sure, yeah. Sure, yeah. Sure. But anyway, um. Uh, so yeah, that's what I did. So and when Dylan came, which was perhaps the biggest thrill of all, he had just come back from doing a tour in Nuremberg, Germany. Oh wow! 
and there was much controversy about them. It was about the time that he changed his music for a while, and the people in the audience booed because he wanted to do. Sure. Oh, oh, oh I know. Electrified. Electric, electric guitar. Yeah, and that was like his first Newport concert. Folk festival, mm-hmm. yeah. yeah, and uh, but when he came in and we were in the dressing room together, talked for about fifteen minutes. I mean, it was an extensive conversation, but. He wanted to find out what it was like being mayor. He says, because wow. we're the same age. So he says, man, that's so cool. What do you get to do? Yeah. You know, he was like, <laughs> Jerry's like I have no idea. Yeah. He, was, <laughs> he was like just one of the guys that's wanting so to know. Cool. And I was just. That's very cool. He wasn't yeah. annoyed that you were doing this or he thought it was goofy. He, he, oh, oh, no, he, he was he, like a regular dude. Yeah, yeah, a totally, totally that's, regular that's dude. very cool. That and what's cool. neat is because he was so talkative, but on stage, he doesn't say a word. Well, Not we've much. talked about that before. Yeah. Not much. He, huh. he sings, and then he walks off. That's crazy. What a cool story. Oh. Man, you have had a life, haven't you, sir? And that's about it. So <laughs> <laughs> so long, everybody. Drive, <laughs> drive, drive safely. I'm hey, out of here. I hey, do. Uh, I want to hear about that Dolly Parton Recently, story. you had, um, we're recording this on, what, the 29th, I guess it is? Yeah. Uh, Tuesday, the 29th November. of November. So, uh, you know, recently was Thanksgiving. Uh, and we all know you, and I. we've been friends forever, since yeah. post-college, and I've never been invited to your home, so I don't know where well, it not, is or what it's like. That's not going to change. <laughs> <laughs> You've been in my house about 50 times. But uh, Thanksgiving, <laughs> here's what we do know. We've watched the Jerry Springer show, because yeah. people on this were required to watch it, yeah. and there's a checkoff list of the episodes, and we're quizzed on it. So anyway, I remember there was a show on the Jerry Springer TV show, Called was it Thanksgiving food fight? Oh yeah, something like that. Oh, oh yeah. that was a great one, and it was one of your better ones. Oh, this was so. How close is that TV show <laughs> oh. to Thanksgiving at the oh, Springer household? No, like we no. just had Thanksgiving. Let me tell you what to do. I'll tell you one God's yeah. truth difference. Yes, when Mickey. Yeah. No. <laughs> well, yeah, <laughs> and Evelyn's Evelyn. wife, my and sister Evelyn, Evelyn. Evelyn Jerry's sister, yeah. who's. Very proper. Very proper. Refined. So, she's a refined, she's refined woman. She's the one that thinks what I do is a shanda. A shanda, which in the Jewish... It's a disgrace. It's a disgrace. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. an embarrassment. I'd like to hear It's a family embarrassment. Okay. So, you know, would you like... She's from the kitchen saying, uh, who so wants... So you had... They were over at your house? No, for no. We were at Evelyn's. Oh, we you were in Evelyn's. Virginia. Yeah, okay. She lives in McLean. Ah, okay. And uh, who wants... Red wine, you know, calling out yeah. into the dining room. Uh, who's red and who's white? And yeah. so we go there, we pour the wine. And just as I'm getting ready to put the glass down on the table, she comes flying in with a coaster. With a coaster. <laughs> just before it can hit the wood. <laughs> because the moisture might, because it was a beautiful wooden table, you know. Yeah, and yeah. you, and so, you yeah. can't have nice things. the Jefferson era. This is true. Here, yeah. put it on. Don't, you know, we don't want to scratch the table. So that is not now. Fast forward to our Thanksgiving show yeah, not on television. <laughs> no, where Evelyn it, was. Just- it started because the kid picked up a turkey bone and hit his mother. <laughs> <laughs> and they took the I'm gonna do a spit take. And threw it, and it was a food fight. 
and the people in the audience were getting hit with the food. <laughs> They pick up the punch bowl. <laughs> Everything. The oh place <laughs> was a mess. That was You're our show. You're awful proud of yourself. Oh, it was you? great. <laughs> You've done good work. It was hey, great. I saw that show. Good work. I saw that show. You look pretty comfortable in the middle of all that. That's what I couldn't oh, do. But the real life, he yeah. can't yeah. put it down without a coaster. <laughs> when Gene sometimes says to me when we're meeting other people and they're being complimentary, and Gene says, I'm very proud of his body of work. <laughs> he's always, I celebrate yeah. the man's yeah. entire, yeah. entire yeah, he's catalog. He's got a great body of work. <laughs> yeah, a great oh. body of work. Oh, my gosh. Well, yeah. let's 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 move this little chit-chat yeah. along to somebody that we had on uh, our show last week. Oh, we have wonderful. him back. Really yes. Wonderful. Lucas Wayne, welcome back, my friend. Hey, thank you all. Thanks for having me back. Yeah, Absolutely. it's great to see you. Um, like we said last time, you are from Carmi, Illinois, a little bit outside of Evansville. And your genre is the country western genre. Now, last time you played us a beautiful song called No One Turns Me On about a light, a lamp that was left in your grandfather's home. What do you have for us tonight? I'm very interested. Okay, so we're gonna we're gonna change things up a little bit this week. We're gonna we're gonna um, I'm gonna play a love song for you that I wrote for my wife Alexia, who I said last week was a is a big fan of yours, Jerry. So uh, another shout out to my wife Alexia Hi, and the old Alexia. Jerry Springer oh, show. Absolutely, and, uh, yeah. Well, How long have you been uh, married? So we've been married. Uh, oh God, almost. Let's see. I guess it'll be two years uh, this next April. Well, so we've a got a surprise for you. Oh, Jerry. <laughs> Put it away. She, she called me a little while ago. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> anyway. Well, oh, great. Well, this you, is the it was almost the two years. So, you know, what the heck? <laughs> <laughs> you know your cousin Bob, right? right. Uh, <laughs> Lucas? <laughs> well, here's the thing. Oh, my God. <laughs> Gentlemen, please Bob, continue. <laughs> Bob is actually my father-in-law. Oh, oh, no oh that's even better. Yeah. <laughs> oh, this is good. This then is, it is the Springer show. This is sweeps yeah, material. That's the sweeps, <laughs> yeah. Get oh it before God. Geraldo does. Okay, go, anyway. Go ahead, Lucas. So yeah. we have this evening, you're going to be playing for us What a Pleasure, and you said this is a love song for your wife, Alexia. Yeah, so uh, it's nice. uh, it was it was just a... Uh, uh, that Cardi B song, uh, WAP, you know, was <laughs> yeah was popular at the time, and I was like, I'm gonna write a a WAP song, you know. So this is my acronym. <laughs> here we go. Uh, it's instead of the other, you know, I'm not gonna say that on here. Thank but, you. Yeah. But here's what a pleasure, anyway. Lucas Wayne, what a pleasure.
like it that's the important part oh yeah she (laughs) she was uh she was a big fan and uh uh you know uh we recorded that live down at uh my buddy hazy's place uh in benton illinois which isn't too far from here and so that's why it's not it's not quite a polished recording but it's a a live take and that's no you have no apologies to make you really are talented yep hey thank you lucas uh you were said earlier, maybe it was on last week's episode when Megan was asking you questions about your background, that you came from music. Uh, do I assume like in high school you referenced being in shows and band and stuff like that? Is uh, What's your musical background? Um, well, like a lot of uh, small town country boys, I grew up in uh, in the Baptist church uh, okay. singing, um, you know, specials and things yeah. uh, growing up and then transitioned into uh you know, in the, the high school, I was in band and, and choir and uh, the special singing groups and things and won all state a couple times, you know, yeah. um, oh, very cool. went, very went, went all the way. Uh, no, I didn't win like number one or anything, but I, we did go to the all state choir a couple times and that nice. was cool. So um, and then, like I said, just been singing and songwriting ever since then. And um, awesome. don't stop. Finding, don't finding... stop. You got it. <laughs> Thank when... you. Uh, I really appreciate that. I'm, I've been trying for, you know, a long time. And what, what's uh, your guitar background? Was that something you just picked up along the way? Are you self-taught or? Uh, yeah, so I, uh, I, I pretty much taught myself uh, everything. I, I, I took some, you know, piano lessons in second grade and was, you know, tinkering around on that. And then I, I taught myself, uh, well, actually, mandolin first when I was about 13. Wow. And then I bought a guitar when I was 14 and, and have been playing ever since. So that. I'm 28 oh, wow. now. <laughs> nice. So hey, quick question to, years. to Jerry. The same question, and not joking here. You played, played the guitar, I don't yep. know if you still do. Uh, how did, what was your background in guitar and music? Did you study Jerry musical instrument when you were a kid or how did guitar come about for you? Um, well, I took, I took, uh, 
like once a week guitar lessons you did. in Forest okay. Hills. You know, but very basic. I probably did it for six months. I learned how to play Tom Dooley. Gotcha. That was the first song I ever learned on the yeah. guitar. And then, you know, we get these books where they show you how to do various right. chords. But no, I never had real proper training. But you uh, had some guitar lessons along I had. I did have some lessons, yeah. I had some lessons, but... Um, and Lucas, did you say you had some guitar lessons or not? You said you started I, on mandolin. I, I took piano lessons, like I said. Yeah. I, I, well, okay, YouTube was coming of age as okay. I was coming of age. And so and so YouTube really taught me a lot of things. I did take some lessons in college. Uh, I went. I, I attended a year at, up in Minneapolis, Minnesota at a, at a Christian university and took some private instruction from a guy. But then YouTube really, uh, yeah. I want to shout out to Lessons with Marcel on okay. YouTube. Yeah, he's, yeah. Uh, he's, so cool. he's taught me a lot of bluegrass uh, picking. That's what I've been getting into the last couple of years is more bluegrass riffs and yeah, the, uh, the, tel the telegraph was coming of age when I was... Uh, Morse code was huge. <laughs> yeah. Man, I could, that's, Gene, you too, remember? Morse code, everybody was yeah. doing it. It was Every, a big yeah. deal. <laughs> yeah. How do you say go to hell in Morse code? I mean, is it... <laughs> <laughs> that may be the one thing I've heard. <laughs> I can do it in, I can do it in pig Latin. But yeah. Yeah. In Morse code. yeah. <laughs> well, as we awesome. said last week, please, listeners, check out Lucas Wayne. You can yeah, check him really out on good. his website, uh, Lucas Wayne Music. Check him out on all the social media platforms. He's on Instagram. He's on TikTok. Um, while you're doing that, thankfully... This podcast is not on TikTok. We would have yeah, an issue if it were. But yeah. <laughs> while you are on the various media platforms, please make sure you swing by our Facebook page, by our website, leave us a five-star review, and make sure you give us some feedback. Uh, this evening, we are going to be taking you guys out with Casey Campbell and Jerry Springer with Down by the Riverside. Well, I'm going to lay down my heavy load Down by the riverside Tales, tunes, and tomfoolery. Recorded live at the Folk School Coffee Parlor in Ludlow, Kentucky. Thanks to Patrick Kennedy for writing our opening song and to you for listening. Check out our website at jerryspringer.com. I'm gonna lay down my sword and shield down by.